This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How the hell are you doing? I am Chuck. I am Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to this thing on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Play, whatever, wherever you get your damn podcast. Click on subscribe. That way you don't have to worry about it. It'll come right to your device. And you can leave us a couple of stars, review each individual podcast, or, you know, just give us a glowing review overall. That'd be great. Tell your friends about it, all that stuff. Yeah, we'd love you for it. Really, really would. You can also, um, you know, find us on social media. I'm at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks, Godless Speaks on Facebook and Spotify. And also on Instagram at Chuck and Godless and ChuckandGodless.com, which equals our Patreon page. If you would like to support Thank us. Thank you. Yes, you can. If you go on there right now and you subscribe, there's over 30 different bits that you can't get anywhere else but right there on our Patreon for just our subscribers. So you might want to check that out if you uh, enjoy the show. Whether it's outtakes of interviews, we do. We did a little political segment. We've got uh, your raised godless uh, thing that you've done with your son. There's a bunch of cool stuff on there for you to check out. So if you're fans, make sure you go to Patreon.com/slash Chuck and Godless and join us. It'll be fabulous. plus you get stuff early. You get and this is an episode you should be glad you got early, Patreon supporters. Uh, this is one of those episodes that we've been looking forward to for a long time. Just trying to find the right place and time and all that stuff to to get Devin Townsend in our corner and have a chat with him. And uh, and dude, I tell you what, he did not disappoint. To say to say the least, he didn't disappoint. Yeah, you ask him any question, he'll give you any answer and Sometimes you don't know what he's going to say, and that's part of what makes it really, really fun. Well, and he's a very analytical dude, right? So, I mean, we, we talk a lot about that in, in this interview, and he, he he breaks things down, which is kind of interesting to hear an artist who, because typically, you, you know, you get the musician, and they're like, well, the feels of this, and the feels of that, and the feels of this, and, and it's a little bit different with Devin. It, it really is, and that's ultimately why he creates different music than anybody else on the face of the earth, which is awesome. So, yeah. We got to hear, like, learn about his wife. What's his wife like, You're you right. know? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Plus, we're going to hear a new song off Transcendence of the new record, which... Uh, is you're just going to be blown away by it too. I mean, uh, the song that we pl- that we're going to play is uh, probably the one that's out right now, but the, but it's the, the little slower that's on there. But the the rest of the record is just jams. I mean, total jams. All, yeah, this song's a jam. They're all jams. Yeah. Uh, and then also we're going to hear another a new song from Dio. Wait, no, not a new song from Dio. Uh, it's a old <laughs> new song from Dio. Yeah, a decade in Dio came out. Uh, I think it's last week, something like that. Yeah, so it's um, remasters of six Dio albums, and we're going to play uh, one of my favorites from uh, from that and also talk about this hologram thing, damn it. I'm. You were like, well, we don't really have to talk about the hologram thing this week. I'm like, no, we're talking about the motherfucking hologram <laughs> because I want to talk about the motherfucking hologram. Dio's hologram performed at Vakken. 
Oh. So, yeah. I am not happy about that at all. <laughs> so we are, we are going to get into that toward the end of the show. But we have a pretty lengthy interview with Devin Townsend on this episode. So yeah. why don't we get into that first here on the Metal Sucks podcast. Yeah, this is Chuck and uh, Godless from uh, Metal Sucks, man. How's it going, dude? Good, man. How's things with you? Sorry about that. I thought you were calling here, and uh, I uh, failed miserably. <laughs> it's uh, all good, man. All good. Devin, you have no idea. We, we speak your name. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us, man. This is like the interview that we've been waiting to do for, like, since we started so i you were on the show like back at episode 20 or something like that way back when but you had to do it you had to deal with vincent axel for that one so we're just we're just really <laughs> pleased to have gotten gotten our chance but it, so so Devin, during that interview that that you did with decibel magazine last year that was amazing you you mentioned how each album has an angle and like death for sky blue and alcohol and anger for your early albums what's this album's angle well it's funny to even ask i mean uh, starting this this press cycle again and and trying to figure out what it is that I was trying to get at with this record. I guess the best place to start would just be that every record sort of prefaces whatever comes next accidentally, of course. And uh, I don't know. I, I'd kind of run out of things to speak about with with DTP. It's as I work through these things, you just you know you need an angle. I need a theme to sort of flesh out, or else I just don't find myself connected to it and i didn't have anything for this and so in the beginning i was concerned that there was going to be nothing to write about at all but uh as it turns out i was uh asked to do a book during my um sort of hiatus from touring to keep the the financial boat floating and uh and that sort of put me in a position of having to analyze a lot of you know the past and and where i'm at musically and personally and through that i started seeing patterns emerge and those patterns were all sort of indicative of of these things that i've been wanting to change and then when he when i printed it out i was like okay well here's here's where the problems lie and it kind of forced me out of my comfort zone in a way and i started thinking that maybe that was the angle to take in that if you're finding yourself in a stagnant position creatively perhaps it's the fact that you've been in this sort of comfortable place as an artist for so long that's that's causing that lack of inspiration so from the book I, I started just consciously trying to do some different stuff you know I started to exercise or I started to um, work on different projects and hobbies that I hadn't done before and then through that came this realization that man I'm such a control freak like my whole trip is so based in assuming that everything has to be a certain way in order for it to be accurate and so I thought just out of uh, curiosity what would happen if I um, approached this DTP record with a fundamentally different creative, uh, you know, um, avenue. And that was ultimately really inspiring because as opposed to sort of saying in the past with this group of guys, which I've been with for 10 years, look, here's 12 songs, here's how it goes here's how the guitar sound should be, this is what the bass should be doing, and, you know, go to the offbeat on the China in this bit. I just thought, well, these guys know each other, they, and they've known me for so long that, that uh, why don't we try it uh, differently? And I came in with 40 or 50 songs. We went through the ones and tried them all, and the ones that we decided 
were the most suited for this group of dudes, we took apart piece by piece. And and sorry for the long answer here, guys, by the way. Um, and it's like uh, what ended up happening by taking it apart is I realized that I hadn't really been communicating to them in ways that uh, were uh, congruent with, like, their personalities. So, you know, I would say, okay, well, it needs to be more blue or it needs to be, you know, it's a happier piece or it's chaotic here. And and if you're a linear musician where you're, you're thinking in terms of patterns or if you're think, thinking in terms of notes, I mean, that just sounds like a lunatic, essentially, right? <laughs> yeah, thinking so, in color versus, versus well, numbers, that, yeah. Well, that's it. And it's like... Um, and there, I'd sort of been under the assumption that that maybe that was the case. Maybe the way that I am connected to music is indicative of just being a lunatic, as opposed to just fundamentally approaching music differently. So this time, I sat with the guys. I said, "Well, look, the reason why it's complicated in this part is not because we're trying to make complicated music. It's that the intention that I'm trying to get across." Uh, emotionally or, or or viscerally in this part requires something complicated. And then through that dialogue, I started to recognize that it's not the parts necessarily that I'm connected to, it's the outcome. So we experimented with something, and uh, uh, like a real practical example would be the song Stormbending, where in the middle, I knew that it had to do this sort of uh, round uh, thing with the guitar that was... You know, had a had a pedal tone and and had three notes in each chord that were uh, important to what it is that I wanted to achieve, and I knew it needed to be cooler than what I came up with. But I just, I just, you know, I've been doing it for so long, I'm just kind of fucking bored at that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I sat with Dave and I sat with Mike. I said, look, these three notes would be really cool to include in it. It needs to be more intricate than what I come up with, but I want to think about the other songs. So why don't you guys go back tonight and think of something cooler and here's the parameters and then that's how it started and they came back and i was like oh that's great that's great it's better than is there i didn't have to think about it and i realized through this whole thing that the inspiration for this record ended up relying on the fact that i didn't need all that control i just need control over you know the vision or the the outcome and that one thing after another then it stepped in with you know nolly became engineer and mixing and and he brought a lot to the table in terms of an objective ear and at the end of it man it's it's the next step it's it's this year's version of what i do but hopefully it will lead to the symphony symphony thing that i do next and uh learning to share <laughs> hey Devin, like like 10 years ago i remember seeing a documentary on gg allen and they're interviewing this guy and he's like man i just do whatever the hell i don't care about the consequences i don't care about nothing i just do whatever feels right right then i do it and i'm watching i had to pause it because i'm watching this guy who's strung out on heroin doesn't know up from down a whole thing and i was just thinking that guy's incredibly unhealthy but I think completely the opposite. I don't do anything, anything without thinking about the potential consequences first. So I'm just as unhealthy as he is because I'm just as extreme. What was like your aha moment that got you to this idea about, I just got to let go of this control while you're, you're researching your history. Well, I mean, to be, to be fair, I mean, I don't know if I've let it go, but I've made progress. So (laughs) hooray. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, as uh, as kind of hippie-ish as it sounds, my my goals as a person are just, you know, I went on vacation recently, and I really enjoyed it, man. I really enjoy 
drinking coffee and playing bass and hanging out with my friends and you know I, I like I really enjoy those sorts of simple things but uh, as a result of trying to get more of that in life trying to actualize myself I guess in some way just with you know sort of the selfish goal of like I just, I just want to have more time to have fun I want to have a good time it's it's it just behooves you to not look at your track record and say well look this is clearly something that is a stumbling block whether or not it's confrontation or or fear of pain or or whatever you know like um a hang-up of any sort as you get older any of us i think it just becomes more and more clear where these stumbling blocks lie and so my reason for for at least with the dtp project opening up these um these avenues creatively to other people is not steeped in like altruism it's just it's just it's been hanging me up man i like i like jamming with people i i've got a whole bunch of creative projects in the future that require me to know how to interact with other artists in a healthy way and so in a sense the project in a you know if you take that project literally is is sort of like a testing ground for a lot of this this process and so it was really practical and when you talk about yeah you don't do anything without being aware of the consequences i mean and ggl and not being that way i mean, I mean that's everybody's <laughs> made, made their choice right like i'm pretty pretty much aware of the of my actions and what the consequences are because you know, really, I've chosen not to be like Gigi Allen. So <laughs> there's that, right? <laughs> well, you know, and it's about being in control of everything and and kind of seeing that. It seems strange, though, that that you've you're getting to that point now, having so much output already, and you finally are starting to get to that point. Has it grown from 20 years ago to now? Has it been a, a linear sort of process for you, or do you feel like it's like a light bulb turn on? As much as it may not appear it just from the amount of hyperbole that goes into the press releases of all this stuff, I mean, my connection to what I do is not, it's not like a make or break thing. Like, music is of massive importance to me. I mean, I love it with heart and soul, and I think about it constantly, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, really, it's a byproduct of of life and and i think that's a healthy way for me to to keep it in mind and luckily that byproduct of trying to become a more functional version of myself has resulted in a career i mean that's amazing i'm psyched but but i mean you know it's it's linear only because it is it's not nothing about it is an intentional thing and often when i'm writing music it it surprises me more than anyone else. Like I was doing casualties, this casualties a cool project. And my first thought was not like, Oh, this is great, I can be provocative and try and present myself as somebody that does a different style. I mean, furthest thing from that. My first thought was like, Oh shit, how am I gonna how am I gonna get away with this? Because it's it's the thing that I really wanna do right now. But how do you how do you put it out there? as opposed to just constantly making apologies for it. Like, you, you know, if I put out records going, I'm sorry, but I went in this direction, or I'm sorry, but I went in this direction, it just sounds super but, Canadian. But who, are, but who are you apologizing to? I mean, is it to your fans? Is it to your, is, is it to your self-conscious? Because, I mean, I feel like your fans are along for the ride. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, it's like sense. you put yourself in a cage without a lock on it. Yeah, but I think at the same time, you've got a certain responsibility to be, um, at least I feel, you've got a certain responsibility to the people who have something invested in what you do to be conscious of the fact that what you have done up to that point uh, has allowed you to get that liberty from them. You know what I mean? It's like, if you, um, I mean, sure, I do, I'm doing a, the symphony next, and I did Casualties, and there's Ghost, and the Hummer, and all this sort of off kilter stuff but really man i made a living making heavy metal it's what i do it's like i'm a heavy metal guy right so it's like there's a part of me that that uh wants to be conscious of the fact that there's a certain amount of expectation and i want to be able to sort of tip for tat you know for every sort of really out there thing i do be able to invest energy if i can do it honestly into making something that um is you know, along lines with what the band likes and, you know, what the label's wanting and what the what the uh, audience is, is wanting. If I can do that with, like, a clear conscience, not phoning it in or, or doing it for other people, well, I think that affords me the luxury of doing things that, like casualties, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, as, long, it's, as long as you don't feel trapped. Yeah, right, exactly. I don't feel trapped. I, I think when I do feel trapped, I'll certainly, like, bolt. Like, when it came to strapping, for example, the uh, the the tank was empty in terms of fuel for that i had i had said what i set out to say with that and i loved it but i was just like okay well now i'm moving on to something else plus as much as there's expectation and people like that it's fundamentally not a good place for me to be so you know i'm not a martyr so if i can if i can do it and you know it's a healthy thing for me to be involved with i'll certainly give it my best shot but in a situation where I'm just no longer in it, I mean, no one's going to be able to tell me whatever, right? Well, and it's funny because I, I do a I do a radio show uh, every week as well, and I had somebody call up and ask for something from Ziltoid, and uh, and we we got to talking about uh, talking about you know your music and stuff because we're both fans, and really it seems like you know from this person's perspective who I was talking to. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter if it's casualties. Doesn't matter if it's you know high, low, wherever from strapping in loud and forward. They're kind of seems like they're in it and and taking the ride with you, man. Which is awesome. But at the same time, I would add to that that the reason why, at least in my estimation, people are into it is because I am as analytical about it as I as I tend to be. So when I do something, it's with the full intention, and without that. It's like if you're just jerking off and saying, okay, well, now I'm going to do an R&B record because I feel like doing an R&B record as opposed to being drawn to it, like musically, like a compulsion to do it, then I think that's what's going to draw people because there's a common thread. Like whether or not it's Casualties, Ghost, Ziltoid, Terria, City, uh, Ocean Machine, whatever, it's all the same intention. It's just manifested differently because there's different stimulus each year i mean you those sorts of things change but the the whole connection to music in my opinion at least has been the same throughout most of the records that i've done and that's why i think people are tolerant of it Mm. but i think it's it's you you also guide your own ship in a lot of ways and i think that when you were talking there a second ago about you know, you're aware of the ramifications of your actions and all this. I think as an artist, it's something that you have to be hyper aware of. 
because I experimented with catharsis years ago, just like, okay, well, I'm just going to say whatever the fuck I want, and, uh, you know, I'm in a pissy mood, so I'm going to make a really destructive statement, and and damn the torpedoes. And there's a lot of sort of talk about, well, once you've made something and you've released it into the world, then your responsibility has ended, and then it's up to other people's interpretation of that, which is a romantic notion, because then you can get away with saying whatever you want, but the reality of it in my experience is whatever you say resonates with the rest of your world and so just out of like a practical concern i'm like well i want to make sure that i'm totally on board with what i say and that comes with a lot of analysis right or does yeah, it i mean because I, I, uh, you think about a lot of people that that it doesn't come with a lot of analysis and that's just how uh, that this is that's a representation of you and uh, and you're ever heard of carrie king yeah <laughs> But I mean, I think that's the thing as well. It's like because I'm not Carrie King, it's like because I'm Devin, it's like I've got to deal with the parameters of what makes me tick. And I think I'm old enough now to to have had enough experience to be like, okay, well, that doesn't work for me, and this doesn't work for me. And as you know, overly sensitive or as neurotic as it may appear to someone who isn't wired that way, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's like that's just how it is for me. So I. I function in the ways that are the most um, the most appropriate, and you know what? I'm happy. So there it is. Yeah, you 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 sound incredibly happy. I I, I you know it's funny when I read that Decibel interview a year ago, and I and then I heard that you were writing your autobiography. I just said, I hope he's got a one story house because <laughs> he's going to jump out a window. So what was the experience of? <laughs> sitting down and writing an autobiography like and and has that helped you get from what seemed like a relatively pessimistic maybe it was just a bad day frame of mind to the kind of frame your of mind you're in now well i mean you know i think one of the uh pitfalls of of being professionally available for 25 years is you're in a mood it's you you can do your best to edit that but there's sometimes man where it's just you wake up some mornings and the sky is falling and you, you, you try and do your best to, to curb that. But often those are the days like, okay, well, you've got an interview in 15 minutes, you know, it's <laughs> so good luck it's an with awesome, that. It's an awesome insight into your head. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it's absolutely terrific. Well, you know, it's interesting when I, when I think back to that interview, if I remember it correctly, I mean, I think that wasn't as pessimistic as I could have been, to be fair. I mean, it's like... <laughs> You know, maybe didn't get laid the night before or something. I don't know. But it's like you you just I think reacting is one of the primary um, keys to to what I do. It's it's I'm a very reactionary person in general, artist aside. And and I think with your conscience, you're trying to not impose that on on friends, family or, or the audience. But, you know, you're only human. Right. But I think when it comes to the autobiography to be perfectly frank i had asked for a year off because i was done and that was about a year back so that doesn't surprise me that whatever interviews it I was matches doing, up yeah <laughs> eeyore core right but it, <laughs> but in the middle of it i mean i that's like i gotta take a year off you know but here's the thing is we're a mid-tier prog metal thing i mean it's like the financial implications of taking a year off is not you know, it's like we're not Slayer. It's we don't have a bank account that carries everybody's salary for more than a month and a half, right? It's like so I had to try and figure out ways that while not touring, I could 
I could keep the boat floating and, and everybody can still keep their salary. And, and so they had proposed a autobiography. And my first thought was just like, holy fuck, dude, I'm like 44. Like, this isn't, you know, what am I going to say? Plus, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm me. It's not like I'm Tommy Lee where I've got stories about snorting ants off of hooker's tits or something. It's like, you know, I'm like, and then one time I, I couldn't pee standing up. And so I sat down and that was too, you know what I mean? I was trying to think of something to go on. And my first thought was like, no, this doesn't make much sense. But then the more I started thinking about it, I said, okay, well, if we have somebody to help me with this, I'll give it a shot and we'll see where it ends up. Because if it can be made uh, to have some practical value for maybe other musicians or people who are interested in following the type of career path that I've managed to fluke myself into and, you know, the parameters of that business-wise and the creative process and what it takes to sort of maintain relationships and, you know, the compromises therein, then perhaps it could be something that is not like a, like a Motley Crue the dirt, but more like, well, this is kind of how this process works. So we had a ghostwriter, and um, it was really interesting because it, you know, made me feel really special to be talking about all this sort of stuff. And then when I read the manuscript, it didn't read like uh, such personal information should to me. And I was... I, I was like, wow, this is this is awkward. This reads in a way that's not something that I think is uh, worth the effort. So I accidentally rewrote the first paragraph. I thought, okay, well, let me just rewrite this in a way that I would. And then the publisher was like, oh, well, that's great. Why don't you just do the whole <laughs> do thing? the whole thing? And I was like, oh, wow, cool. You know, Run grade well. 12, creative writing. Here we come. So I rewrote it from the top, and then I ended up doing the whole thing, man. Like basically every word and um and i sat there just with a laptop for a year poking away at this thing and the process of doing that and trying to make it something of like value to people who are interested in what i what i spoke of before required me to be really honest with a lot of the past and to sort of think about it and to be in contact with people that i had been out of contact with and there's like a sense of vulnerability that came with that that was really weird, man. But the outcome of it was I was able to recognize these patterns personally that was liberating in so many ways. And um, not the least of which was was sort of uh, the self-deprecating thing that I often sort of utilized just as a humorous trip became a lot less realistic. I was, you know, it was, I started to kind of take, uh, yeah, I have have a bit of sympathy for myself through it, and it was it was really good. And so we, I went to Iceland with a buddy. We were just it seemed like how cool is that? Just to be like, we should go to Iceland, bro. And we did. <laughs> what? <And> wow, air. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and I got into Seeger Ross's studio, and I made an acoustic EP that had very little effects and no overdubs, and it was really raw. And then the combination of all this stuff became. Uh, uh, a process and a, a project for me, not unlike making a, a record, but one that was just really um, eye-opening. And the, I guess the, the worst thing about it is, um, well, I, okay, not the worst thing. The most, uh, the overriding realization was that I'm a total fucking perfectionist in such a, a crazy way that OCD doesn't even begin to describe it. However... I'm so unbelievably imperfect that 
the combination of the two things is like this perpetual sort of undercurrent of irritation on everything that you do. And I think that was a great thing to realize because it's like, oh, you're a perfectionist, but no one's perfect. So that's why you're going crazy on all this stuff, you yeah. know? <laughs> that physically manifests itself. I mean, do you end up like, do you have like back pain? Yeah. yeah. Make yourself ill? Well, see, this is why about October of last year, I started exercising like a lot, like every day. You know, I still look like a sack of yams, but I mean, my heart's working better. And it's like the... Uh, the whole way that it had begun to manifest itself was starting to be counteracted by this physical activity. And it's, you know, if I'm making myself clear, it's just interesting how, well, one, how I don't seem to have a peripheral vision to be able to see these things as they're happening, but having an opportunity to write it and you're sort of objectively participating with yourself then you're just like, well, yeah, no wonder your back is sore. No wonder you're slouching over. No wonder all these things are. No wonder you're hard on yourself. So how do you solve this? Not even solve it. How do you um, counteract it practically, immediately, to get to your goal of being happier? So, yeah, it had manifested itself in a ton of ways, but that's why I started exercising. And now it's it's, you know, I'm in a much better place as a result of, being able to read what I wrote. It's crazy. Well, and it's so funny because that, that, that description of the problem is something that uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, show Hoarders. Uh, uh, do you ever watch Hoarders? Uh, it, yeah, yeah. Well, every, every one of these people that have their house completely piled up full of stuff describes themselves as a perfectionist, as mm-hmm. somebody who is OCD and very – but the problem with most of them is – is that they have a trouble turning that into anything because they never want to start anything because they're scared that it won't be perfect. Whereas well, you, you seem to have done the exact opposite where you just try everything. Well, you know, it's funny, funny that you say that because I got a friend, really close friend and uh, amazing musician, and we were supposed to go do an improv thing together, but he balked. He was like, I don't want to go. And I was like, well, why? He says, because I'm going to fuck up. I was like, dude, you're amazing. Like, you're incredible. Like, you don't have to worry about fucking up. But then I realized that his track record professionally is he's been in a very successful band, and he's never really publicly, like, crashed and burned. So I think for me, one of the benefits that I've got for improv or or what we had just discussed between us here is that, man, I've failed so many times that it's, like, not an issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, like... I'm not afraid of failing and that makes uh, like moving past some of that OCD thing or not or being afraid to start things not really an issue. And luckily as well, I think when you look at people who are like in hoarders and whatever, there's no one that's really giving a deadline in a lot of those these cases. And, and someone said to me like, what's the best possible thing that you can do for your OCD and your perfectionism? I'm like, give me a deadline because – what trumps my my OCD is my desire to be on time with work. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which so, is also OCD as well. But you know, for sure. But <laughs> what play the cards you're dealt, right? It's like exactly. So yeah. I, I go crazy up until the last minute, and then I hand it in and forget about it. You know what I mean? It's great. Yeah. <laughs> so what what do you when, view as your failures, though? Well, failures is a hard word, but just in lieu of a of a softer word, I mean. 
you know, I'm. I, what would I view as my failures? Well, it's all subjective. Let's say that I view failure from the point of view of uh, participating in what other people think I do right or wrong. You know, I think that uh, you know, and as a result of everybody going to have a different opinion, it's 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 debatable whether or not it's a true failure or not. What I think is a failure. I mean, I've done, dude. Like as a person, like I've fucked up tons. You know what it's like. It's well, like you do something stupid, or you you know you end up thinking, "Well, I can jump off this building or whatever," and then you end up with your kneecap through the top of your leg or something because it's. But you learn through that. Is my point, and that is an analogy for anything professionally. It's the same thing. It's you know I've tried a bunch of things that didn't work out exactly how I had anticipated they would. That's probably a better way of, of saying it. And there's been tons, tons and tons and tons. So knowing that and drawing from that uh, is is great. It's it's ideal. I went to a thing the other night and I ended up, um, you know, doing a move wrong and like hurting my wrist or something. And and then I'm, my, my thought was not like, okay, well, I'll never do that again. My thought is just like, okay, well, note to self, you hold your wrist differently, you know? Mm. Yeah, but then when you're writing an album and for the first time in a while, it seems you're taking in the contributions of other people and other minds and other perspectives, that's a a whole nother level. It's one thing to hold your own wrist right, but when you're expecting everybody else to do the same in the way that only you can express, that's got to be a bigger challenge. Is but I think that actually is a great way to summarize um, what the hangups that uh, I think not only me but a lot of people that need that sort of creative control are, and that is that you end up being upset at people simply because they don't think like you, mm. and it's it's really easy to get stuck in that pattern where you're thinking, you know, why am I upset at this guy? Well, it's because I'm assuming that because he's not reacting to a situation in the way that I would that he's thinking what I would think in his situation. Then I, you know, you make these elaborate backstories and it ends up like, that guy's a fucking asshole, you know? And then when you talk to him, he's just like, I had no idea that you were going through this this process of assumption with me and you were wrong. And I think that a lot of these interactions, I find my fault, if you want to look at it that way, is for assuming that, number one, I'm better than other people, or number two, that the reason why they're not reacting the way that uh, I assume they should is like a personal slight towards me. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's I don't. That's not that's not unique to me by any stretch of the imagination. So, getting together with the guys in even DTP, you know, it's one of a lot of projects I'm involved with. But I mean, these guys are my friends. They're all just as smart as me. They're just as talented as me. It's just it. It's different. We all have different strengths and different weaknesses, and any team is that. In fact, I hate the fact that society sells everybody this concept of soulmate. You know what I mean? Where it's like, well, we're not soulmates, therefore, you know, we had to leave each other. You know what I mean? It's like I don't think that. I just think that's like that's like something that Pepsi sells. You know, it's like I think the concept of relationships is just like, well, anybody really can be. You just got to put the effort in. You got to decide whether or not you want to make the compromises that it's going to take in order to get there. And so, you know, when it comes to other people and letting go of those sorts of things, going through the book and, you know, life and death and birth and all these sort of life things that happens, I mean, music, we're just fortunate to do it. It's not that big a deal, you know? And so 
the compromises and everything that come in a creative avenue between human beings just trying to function it's it's like the path to get to the end was much simpler than i had assumed when it's when it's significance is not life or death you know does that make you more patient with the people that you're working with sort of realizing all this oh yeah yeah but vice versa too i mean i'm no i'm no prize man it's like like i'm a neurotic cat and i think that I have tons of patience for people. I have tons of patience for people, but I'm also like a massive bomb on a long fuse. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, I got tons of patience, but then once my patience is up, it's like, it's totally up. So it's... So when you're reaching out to like some of these people that are part of your past and you're talking to them about that you've lost touch with, talking about your history, were you surprised or anything on their perspectives? Do you think they were being honest with you Is there, with their impressions of working with you and what it was like? Well, I, I, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I, I like to think that the people that are still in my life are the type that will be honest with me, yeah. And I mean, the people that I choose to have around me are also at least in my estimation, the people that I can trust that will tell me the truth. You know, it's like Brian, bass player in my band. Dude, I've known that guy since I was 12. You know, it's like it's like we used to jam in our parents' garage. It's If I'm going off the deep end, it's, you know, I can trust these people that I've had in my life for a long time to be like, Dev, you're, you're being a fucking, you're being a weirdo, man. You know, and, and we've seen this happen here and here again. On the opposite side of that there's parts of me that is and are you know trying and very peculiar and and the people that are close enough to me also to i would hope take that into consideration right it's it's um you know it's like we're trying to just get from one end of life to the other really and uh we again play the cards we're dealt. How do they react when you just start to make the change like this? When somebody like Brian is like, I've known you for so long. He knows what you mean when you say you want this to be blue or you want this to yep. be green. And then you decide to change the way that you think. Is he along for the ride? Yeah, he was psyched, man. He's just like, hey, man, it looks like you're doing good. I mean, I remember, dude, Brian, I remember doing mushrooms and having my parents come over and bringing them into the crawl space with Brian. And I'm sitting there having some existential crisis in the, in a crawl space with my mom and dad with Brian and I just flying high. And he's looking at me like, dude, you are a fucking mess. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and so it's like, that was 20 years ago. So now the fact that I'm trying to take care of myself and I'm trying to listen to other people and I'm trying to learn about finances and get my shit straight. I mean, yeah, dude, he's psyched because we're not in the crawl space anymore. It's great. <laughs> yeah, both, both literally and figuratively, right? Totally. I mean, it's like I got good people in my life, man. That's good. That's awesome. That's really good, man. I mean, hell, that's that's half the battle right there. Totally, dude. And specifically when, you know, and it's like at the age that we're at now, too, it's, it's you got to, at least I feel like I have had to, Stop making excuses for my personality, but just underneath all of that, be cognizant of when you being you is just, you know, it's just uncool. Because I think it's a fine line, right? It's very easy to say, well, that's just me being me. But at that point, it's like honesty Tourette's, mm. <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's like, yeah, I'm saying that because it's the truth. It's like, sure, it might be your truth, but kind of a dick thing to say, right? So I think... Uh, you know, to summarize that whole 
part of our conversation here. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident with, with who I am, and I'm also aware of, of what it is that I am that could potentially, you know, be a liability in some relationships, but those ones just don't seem to be happening in my life anymore, so onward. It just seemed like in the past, whenever I'd read interviews or uh, listen to interviews with you, you, it always seemed like you really had a hard time accepting compliments sometimes. Has that uh, gotten better? No, I still do, man. I, I had a buddy give me a compliment yesterday. I just wanted to like run screaming in the other direction, right? It's like, but, but again, it's like, what is that indicative of? And at what level is, you know, the self-esteem, all this sort of stuff. I mean, let's just take one thing at a time. I think one of the, uh, one of the things that I've recognized recently as well is, you know, I, I'm really trying to let it go. I'm really trying to um, not be as analytical about things as I seem to be wired to be. However, you know, it's it's not as easy as just to say, okay, well, now I'm not, right? It's like now I turn off that part of my personality that seems to be a liability. I mean, it seems like making music and, and going through these records and, and the analysis of, of each up and down is what has at least provided um, the progress to date. So, you know, I I tend to, like, try and sit and, and think and, and, you know, just play some bass and, and try not to obsess about things. And I'm getting better at it. And I do find that exercise really helps for that as well because it shuts you down really, like, uh, practically. Your brain is tired, so you're not over analytical and you know food and sex and all those things is great because in your you're not thinking right but uh you can only fill your day up with so much of that stuff before you're thinking about thinking again right and that's where the music comes from <laughs> i'm getting older there's a lot less of the sex and the others yeah there's it's not 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 nearly as much anymore yeah we gotta do something about that food chuck <laughs> oh but dude food i mean it's like the other day i forget we went for like some mexican food and it was so good dude and it's like the first bite, I just my brain was just like, "Oh, I'm good." There's no existential <laughs> drama here at all, man. It's yeah. like that's some good food. That's cheese. <laughs> that's a you know, cheese does that to pretty much anybody. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, that's it. But in a certain sense, like losing yourself in music does a similar thing too. I mean, and that's why going back to what we had talked about in the beginning of this conversation, a lot of it is autopilot. It's not like I have an agenda when it comes to the direction or, or whichever ways things are going to go. It manifests based on the rest of the, your trip. And then you just have to find ways to articulate it honestly. And that's why, again, I say it's sometimes daunting to present to the management or the label or to the audience like, oh, by the way, I decided that I wanted to do a Caribbean themed soft rock record because you know there it is it'd be right? kind of cool though you know about, yeah. uh, i'd be down for that man. Us from over here. <laughs> he's got all these like mellotrons and all these bongos i was like dude if we did something that was like like a really sunny sort of thing that had that snare sound that super tramp snare sound oh. it's you know it'd be great yeah but, that'd be fun yeah i gotta do a I gotta do a bunch of other stuff first, so. <laughs> Devin, can I can I ask you what's Mrs. Devin Townsend like, and and I, I mean, how does she sort of, what is she like in in relation to you? You know. Uh, what's Trace like? She thinks she thinks I'm a banana, but <laughs> she, 
is um you know like i'll i'll uh, here's an example i'll be like trace i got this idea i've got this symphony i'm i'm really thinking about it's going to be great it's going to be this metaphor for for power based on male sexuality and it's going to be this thing about a moth and it's going to have the satirical ending and there's going to be this melody and she just looks at me and she's just like that's weird (laughs) (laughs) well it's and that's the thing it's like is it is she a ying to your yang or like peas in a pod kind of thing oh no we're fundamentally opposite yeah like like she 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 thinks art is so full of shit you know she's like (laughs) you know it's like like i'm like well check this out it's like this this artist it's like it's supposed to be uh it's supposed to be uh you know an analogy for this and that and the other thing and she's like a kid could have done that this is a picture and it's like you know a painting of a flower and she's like it looks like a flower see and he did it well (laughs) you know and i'm like yeah but it doesn't mean it what's the flower mean she goes it means it's a flower you know i mean it's like (laughs) like yeah what does it really mean and then she just leaves the room right so it's like but i mean 25 years together man i mean you like any relationship you 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 frustrate each other and those are the good relationships to have because then you're challenging each other man if i was with somebody who was like me we would do we would get nothing done you know it's like but when you're together with people and the same with the guys in the band like you know everybody in dtp i mean we are all so different man i mean you know, back even with strapping, like Gene and I were really connected in a lot of ways, right? And it was really cool. But at the same time, it's like sometimes that plays into itself in unhealthy ways. And so you get together with people that are, you don't relate. You know, one person thinks in terms of circles, one person thinks in terms of squares. And your first thought is like, this won't work. This is really um, frustrating. But, you know, like any team, it's like where one person excels you know, uh, somebody explained it to me the other day in terms of Dungeons and Dragons, which I would never play because when I was a kid, I was totally not a geek. But uh, <laughs> if I if I had played Dungeons and Dragons, what I would say was that uh, you know you got a team, and say you've got one character who is off the scale in terms of you know strength, physical strength, but you know he's got a pudding head or something. You know what I mean? And no intelligence. Yes. No intelligence. Or whatever and then you got another guy who's like off the scale in terms of intelligence but you know one hit and he's gonna like break right so the goal is you put together a team of people whose strengths um make a uh, an overall uh strength it's not like it's it's excelling in one territory and not in another and i think the um the benefit of that for anybody whether or not it's like a relationship that's like romantic or a relationship in terms of work is that if you're challenged then it puts you out of your comfort zone and that's ultimately where growth happens in my estimation and that's what transcendence is about i mean what's the music like it's you know if i'm gonna sell this in the way that i'm supposed to it's it's the heaviest thing we've ever done <laughs> and the that you guys want me to do from 25 years ago it's like that one but twice as good no <laughs> like it's this year's version of the same shit that I always do, right? So, but the progress that that doesn't look good on a on a press release either, by the way. But it's like the progress that you make, um, hopefully, leads to the next project, right? And being out of the comfort zone, and the fact that the person that I've chosen to be married to, and the people that I tend to work with, are different than me, 
is probably the thing that keeps it moving. Well, I'm going to totally use that analogy with my wife because she's, uh, you know, she gets pissed at me for playing Dungeons and Dragons because I am a nerd. So I'm going to use this as my war party and uh, moving forward yeah. from now on. I'm into it, man. I, I, I got to say, I mean, I, it's, it's like I, I haven't, I got to learn to play games. I haven't played games since I was like a kid. And it's, you know, I got all these buddies that play video games. And dude, I just can't do it. I just, it's like. It's it's like not only my, do my small motor skills not work, but I just I, I I just don't care. It's crazy. It's like you know people are like oh man we've got this new game and we're like and I'm a gamer and all this sort of stuff and I'm like really holy shit like I put up a screen door yesterday. You know what I mean? It's like the whole that's <laughs> true. I did two screen doors yesterday. I was psyched, but it's like uh, yeah no I don't know I don't know. I don't know how to have fun. I think that's probably the uh, root of it all. Maybe it was when I stopped drinking and stopped smoking weed. I was like, you know, I'm going to incorporate a fun-free lifestyle now, right? And so <laughs> what, is, what has become fun is just like a totally braining out on inconsequential parts of my personality. Super healthy. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, so that's did good you, for you. <laughs> did you used to be fun at a party? Because I've never, I, I, I never been able to do that. Oh, dude. I am... I, I, I always thought a good name for a side project for me would be Fun Sponge. <laughs> <laughs> I can suck the fun out of anything, dude. And it's like, but at the same time, I like being invited to parties. I like my friends. I like going places. It's cool, right? So, you know, I'm a lot of the people in my life now, I do get invited to the parties, but it's not like you're there, you know, it's like, I just like, oh, sweet, I get invited to the party. That's cool, right? But... <laughs> You know, you stand in the back, and when everybody else laughs, then you laugh, right? Yeah, I spend my time staring at the people who seem like they're having a really great time, and other people are happy to be around them, and I'm trying to figure out how they're doing it. I can't, and and that's the creepiest, most unfun thing you can do at a party. Well, you know, I like, I I do, I really do like enjoying myself. I really do, man. It's just, but it's all, when I'm finished enjoying myself, it's like, okay, I'm done now. You know what I mean? So it's like... We'll all be hanging out, we got coffee, and we've got a bonfire going, and we're all chilling out and playing music, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay, good night, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's just like, it turns off, right? Which is, which is also really good socially. There's a good social cue, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, you guys, this is great, we should do it. Anyway, good night. <laughs> uh, well you know it's better than like you know half-assing it okay all right gonna hang out for the next three hours and not have any fun at all and wind well, up saying well, something you shouldn't have said and you know that, well, that, i'm gonna i'm gonna do that that's 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 par for the course man it's like you know but again it's like uh you know all this stuff that we've been talking about today it's like a boot all this stuff we've been talking about is um it's funny because you we analyze it and I analyze it and I'm sure you guys do too. And when it comes at the end of it, it, it becomes like these idiosyncratic personalities. But I mean, we're just like, we're, we're just like everybody else, man. It's like everybody yeah. is, everybody thinks that they're, they're awkward and everybody thinks that they don't know anything. And I think I'm suspect of the people who, who are the opposite of that. You know, the people that believe they have some sort of answers or they, or they think that they really have got their shit together. I mean, most of those people, I don't have a lot, a lot to talk about. To be fair, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think we're just a good cross section of the uh, neurosis of, <laughs> of most of us. 
<laughs> I think there's 150,000 tweets today about Orlando Bloom on a kayak naked. And and that's the dude. That's the dude. He's the fun guy at the party, you know? <laughs> no, he's not, man. He's he's the guy take, getting someone to take pictures of him on a kayak and accidentally posting it. You know, I mean, he can't talk to his dad, fucking weirdo. I think it's like uh, when, you, when you see all this stuff, too, this like uh, – you know, these cults of personality, right? It's like, oh, it's Orlando Bloom, you know? He's got a perfectly formed ball sack or whatever. You're just like, oh, my God, man. <laughs> but, you know, there's – I think a lot of these types of folks too, man, it's just like you, you have no choice but to like to like blaze on them. And I think that's a lot of my close relationships, like friendships. I mean, we just have such a great time just like bagging on people. It's like the best part of it, right? <laughs> Because, but if you can't bag on yourself, man, you can't start, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it all starts with being self-deprecating in the end. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe mm-hmm. that's the dysfunction after all. But anyway, he's on a kayak. Here, let me look that up. <laughs> <laughs> Google it, uh, Devin. I, we don't want to send you run screaming, but we've got so many compliments to shower on you, and we just hope you know that we would love to, but we don't want you to run screaming. No, oh, no, dude, man. I I, I appreciate it. I mean. My value that I have on what I do is more of the effort. I mean, and I think that's what I value in people in general, more so than what people do. It's it's the fact that they're not giving up is a big thing to me. And I think that if I uh, accept compliments, it's much more based on like the practical things, like oh, you you finished it on time, or you know, <laughs> uh, you know, things like that. Like I'm I'm cool with because that's something that's really tangible. You know, it's like, oh, no, you're right. And I did. And it sucked. But I did it. Thank you. You know what I mean? But if it's something that's intangible, it's like, uh, you know, like if somebody says, hey, I like the color of your skin or, you know, you've got perfectly formed nostrils or something. Right. It's like, how can you really accept that other than just like, oh, well, there it is. Right. Not that I have uh, (laughs) perfectly formed nostrils, but uh, they're not too bad. (laughs) Pretty close now. Looking good. All right. Big plume of hair. <laughs> yeah, we could probably go on for hours, but we'll, uh, we'll 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 let you off the hook at this point. Absolutely, just about the most fascinating person in all of music. And oh wait, that was a compliment. Sorry, oh, damn it. sorry. I, I, oh, my first reaction is to is to like is to be like, yeah, well, we got a low bar for music, then, man. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not even. <laughs> Guys, and I appreciate what you do, and thank you so much for uh, fighting the good fight. And, um, you know, uh, I'm sure I'll see you around. And, uh, again, it's just it really comes down to just, like, not throwing in the towel. And there's there's a lot of us that are continuing to do so, right? So, so you know, good on you and good on me, and uh, let's reconvene in a year or so. <laughs> Sounds good. Never <laughs> throw in the towel, Thank man. you, Devin. Cheers, guys.
subscribe to the Metal Sucks Podcast today. So when you finally gave the thumbs up to actually play Dio on this episode, <laughs> I it was like, oh crap! That means I gotta like pick my favorite song or pick like the song or and with six Dio records that are all remastered, 
how the fuck do you pick out a song? And and I didn't want Rainbow in the Dark. That's no, how. no, I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be pedestrian. I didn't want to like pick the pick a normal song. Even though what I do like to do sometimes is when you get a remaster of a record, where which these are remasters, decade of Dio. It's ten years, six albums. Um, it, what what I like to kind of compare and contrast. So you know, Rainbow in the Dark, right? You've heard that song a thousand times. So hearing the remaster, you hear the differences really quickly. You know, so just like when they release the remasters of Metallica or whatever, and yeah, I go, what the fuck is this? This is this this is shit. And actually, they did, they did a really good job with the with the remasters on this, not really kind of adjusting the 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 feels of the song. But that's why I wanted to play. I played Evil Eyes, so you know, you know, it's one of my favorites too. That's See, I've never one. reacted that way to a remaster. Whenever I listen to oh, a remaster, I'm always like, I'm always like. Huh, well, that's an, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that that was going on before. It allows me a, a new chance to experience something that I've already experienced a bunch of times before in a, in one way. And now I get to, you know, switch it up, which is kind of cool. You know, I'd agree with that in many cases, except for, except for something that is, that is huge. Like when it's, when it's huge. And so, and and it's really personal more than anything else because, like the the Metallica remasters are what really got me because the, I was so attached to those records and the way that they sounded uh, when I had them, whether it was on cassette or LP or what. Like I was very attached to the way that those those sounded. So when they did the remasters, they sounded different, and that was really annoying to me. You know, I spent a lot of time with the headphones cranked up, listening to every little piece of those of those albums. So any slight change just makes me go whoa 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 what you know yeah. and and yeah it's kind of a kind of freak out but this it, one it's funny because I, sometimes I have that with like uh, an album that's been resequenced where like the songs are in a different order hmm. and it makes me kind of go well that's kind of weird you know sometimes but for the most part I'm I'm all in like a, a great example of that is uh, there was a British band that I absolutely love an album there is called Crawl. That uh, the band is called The Beyond, um, and it would, there's a v- British version and there's a U.S. version, and I always, I actually had a, I believe, a British version of it. That's the album that I fell in love with, and then oh, the, the U.S. version I heard just yeah, last yeah. year, and I was like, well, this is weird. It might be remastered too, but I don't have that kind of ear, so yeah, because it lays oh, out in a different way. Yeah, no, that makes yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Well, that one actually, if, if I remember right, Evil Eyes is the one that kicks off the the B side of last in line uh and 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 honestly like the remasters i think are are, are really good like it, like Vinny's drums sound a lot better on this record or on the remasters than they did in the originals it was a little more it was a little muddier cuz it's a little more analog and but but no i actually think the remasters are pretty good in this case uh and don't really do much damage to the song even though that i really was attached to Dio as well which brings us to our topic this week. Uh, <laughs> Vakken just doing the worst thing ever no, and reviving no. Ronnie James Dio for a performance of Dio, I guess it was a Dio Disciples uh, yes. at, at Vakken this year. And that that is the worst thing ever in the history of metal ever. I read that like the guitarist or bassist or somebody Dio Disciples like when he first saw the hologram and got to jam with it, he started to cry. He was like so touched that he was, you know, could kind of experience being with Ronnie again type of thing, which I thought was pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty telling. I don't so know. To, just to draw a picture so everybody knows. So Vakken, of course, huge metal festival yeah, right? on the stage. They've got like this. 
screen. Big glass screen kind of thing. If you haven't seen the video, yeah. Right. And so they've got video of Ronnie uh, on, you know, performing and they project it kind of onto the screen and it looks kind of three dimensional. And it's, you know, it's where he would be standing on that stage and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, uh, you know, it's kind of, kind of, kind of cool to see. And I don't know. It seemed like the people in the audience didn't know what to make of it. Some people were like, this is the coolest thing ever. And other people were like, I've been standing right at the gate for the last 12 hours to see this. You know, it was a real mixture of faces in that audience. I thought that was well, pretty interesting. But I don't think here's the other thing is I don't think that they're saying that they stood there that long to look at this. I think the other part of the people are going, this is wrong. I mean, because I, th- I think there's a mixed reaction. I've read a few reviews and thoughts and, and editorials about this. Some people go one way, <clears throat> like you're saying. They're like, oh, great. That's kind of cool. It's like a revival, blah, blah, blah. And then other people are like me that are like, fuck you. The legacy of Dio, unfortunately, is is over as far as more live performances. We need to leave it at that. I'm sorry. It's, it's I don't get I don't get the yeah. anger. I think it, 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 the anger either is just like this, this like. Uh, incredible selfishness. Like, no, I got to see Ronnie and perform and perform in concert. Nobody else gets to. It's so. And then there's the mixture of people who are like, "This is terrible," just because Dio is terrible. And I don't, I, I don't subscribe to to either one of those. I think that it's sort of like this is a great way to introduce more people to Dio's music. Why not do it? I don't agree with that. If people want to, if they want to tribute to Dio and and do it and and cover his songs and keep that music alive that way i'm totally fine with that and like that's totally legit but you can't relive the past i mean you just can't go go back in especially when somebody's dead i mean because now what are we going to be looking at we're going to be looking at lemmy next are we going to be looking at you know you know who are you oh dude we we talked about it we talked about it last week i think carrie king gets tom mariah the uh, projection (laughs) Uh, because the dude just stands there well he can just do it he can just do it in his living room and it can yeah. be a projection it does, so it'll be like a 3g Aww. 3d projection now that's different you know where that's it's like kind of cool where it's actually him playing in his living room in texas while they're on tour you know we kind of talked about it you know way back when with obituary when they were doing that virtual tour thing remember that i was like uh-huh. this is like another way to do a virtual tour but really do a virtual tour you know a hologram tour uh, that's cool you have a band member sit out they can actually play you know instead if, but but i'm th- tom mariah i'm listening to you chuck and going i gotta call the management and see what we can pull off <laughs> i mean think about how cheap that would be it's, yeah, like, totally. it's like with with, with dio they got like the, the the screen like stretched across like half the stage because he walks back and forth and all that sort of thing yeah with tom, tom mariah, mariah stands there yeah, he doesn't move yeah, yeah, totally. Well, and well, and the other thing with that would be, uh, you know, just stick some virtual reality goggles on him, and it'll be like he's there, you know. So, so he can play to the crowd and everything. You put a three hundred and sixty camera in the middle of it. I think we're just going to change, revolutionize the way music is going to be consumed live now. You know, fuck it. Why do we? You know what? Fuck it. Why do we even need to go? Why don't we just put yeah. goggles on ourselves and there we can go. just do three D concerts like that? And you know, we don't that's even have to. Where, worry that's where about I was going to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But how many times have I thought to myself? Like, why am I going out to see this band in concert? I couldn't even get motivated to look up something on YouTube. By them, you know, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Well, so now, yeah, I mean, now we can just throw a camera up in a venue and we don't even need to go there. You know, fuck it. Why? Why even bother with it? No, I'm I don't know. The thing about the thing about the deal uh, going back to the deal thing at, at Vakken, what really kind of ticked me off was for I just don't. 
and, and I am being selfish. I have to, I will admit that, that I am being selfish, that I spent, you know, 25, 30 years watching that man perform live. And I was lucky enough to be, be able to see him as many times as I did and enjoy those performances as much as I did. And I do other people need to miss out on it. No, I think they, I, I feel sorry for them that they didn't get to see it, but I don't think this is the way to see it because that is not Dio performing. That's not what he looked like. That's not how it felt like you, it didn't, it doesn't do it justice. So to me, like it's a slight on his legacy because that's, it, it's not as good as he was. And that's the problem. If it was, as good as he was maybe like if they were were able to work it up but it's never going to be as good as he was but yeah exactly but nothing else is as good as he was right so well, that's why you gotta leave it you gotta leave well, it no you, no what you do is you go this is something different this is a new and no. interesting way to experience his voice and his songs that's it's different i mean if they put ronnie's uh 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 hologram on tour which i guess is the chatter right Mm -hmm. they don't charge as much for a ticket as they charged for dio himself yeah but if you get but if you get you know i don't know man i still i still like i said i don't think it's right I really I think don't think it's right. You go with very different expectations. You enjoy it for what it is, not for what you seem to be thinking it is trying to be. And I'm not so sure that it's trying to be what you think it is. Well, I mean, I don't know that it's trying to be that either. But at the same time, I don't believe it does. It does his performance justice. And I don't think that that's I don't I don't want people to remember that as what Dio's performance looks like. If you want to see it, watch videos of him performing at Donington. Watch videos of him performing in, in, real, in real time. And watch him that d- was kind of him. That is video of him performing, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know if it's like a I think 3D rendering I th- or what, but it's not I the same. It looks it's, fake. I think, it's a, I think it's a performance that they just isolated his body in that performance and then projected on the screen. I don't know. It just doesn't look right. It does not look right. <laughs> I, I, I think you walked into it like with like already like judged, you know, like, no, 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 this is no good. And it's like, well, no, no, take a minute, take a breath and try to enjoy the music and see if you can enjoy it for no. what it is. No. I'm not saying that like everybody want, needs to I have don't... the same reaction as the guitarist and break out in tears or anything, but No. I don't want a hologram doing a call and response. Fuck that. <laughs> That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I was like, we rock. Well, <laughs> that's kind no, of the no, thing. Is fuck that, that I, man. That's I'm fucking not, wrong. I'm not into call and responses anyway. So, you know. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm a member of you the audience. What, you perform, asshole, not me. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, well, it kind of demonstrates the silliness of call and responses in general. Whether I'm reacting to a hologram or a real person doesn't make any difference to me, really. You know what I mean? It's, uh, but I don't know, man. I think it's, I, I think you. <laughs> I think we're I think trying to funny hold- if Dio's holograms like you guys suck. Stop. <laughs> stop everything. Uh, yeah, so someday we'll have a hologram of like that shitty performance of Ivan Moody from Five, Five Finger Death Punch, like walking off the stage. <laughs> that, the, why did we pick that one to use? I don't know. It's just the one that came up in the file today. You know, it's like- it would be it would be kind of cool to have like some of the greatest performances, strangest performances, etc. You know, have those be hologrammed 
up. That would be kind of kind of a cool way to put something on tour, you know? I don't know, man. I just don't know that I agree with it, man. I think we're trying to relive shit that we shouldn't try to relive. I, I, I don't you, think it's you, reliving. I think it. I think it's totally reliving. I think we're just trying to hold on to shit that that is in the past, and you got you got to let it go. You know, it's like what I would I love to see. I'm trying to think of shit that I hadn't seen yet, um, which is kind of hard. <laughs> I've seen so I was like, God damn, uh, what's on my wish list of uh, I, if I could see Freddie Mer- Mercury, right? I would love right. to see Freddie Mercury live, uh, but I don't have that opportunity. Would I would I want to go see a hologram of Freddie Mercury? Fuck no, I wouldn't want to go see a hologram of Freddie Mercury. I'm sorry. I just wouldn't. I'd rather go see that fucking asshole um, uh, American Idol star sing fucking Queen shit with Brian, uh, Brian May than, than go see a fucking hologram. No way. It's like it's just not uh, or watch live performances with him, you know, instead of instead of going to see a hologram. You know, I just don't understand why why anybody would kind of accept that. And the worst part of the the, the, the whacking thing uh, and I'm, I'm going to say whacking now because they pissed me off. Uh, <laughs> no, the worst part of the Vakin thing really is like when he held up the fucking flag with the with the Vakin to 2016 or whatever in the hologram. Oh, I didn't <laughs> Did see, you that. see that. That's pretty. No, that's pretty cool. You know, no, it's not cool. <laughs> uh, it's like, hey, by the way, now we're going to get your your heroes to start advertising for you. Uh, uh, no, there, there's some animators like. Oh, I got an idea. This is going to blow some minds. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I feel that it's wrong. And I know that it, it's probably you're right. You're probably I'm probably being selfish. But at the same time, just, you yeah, know. why not allow people to experience the music? And, and, and some people will walk away from that going, damn, I got to really dig into the deal catalog. I hadn't realized blah, 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 blah. That's kind of a cool reaction if you're a Dio fan. I know that somebody out there just got turned on to him by any, you know, any which way. I don't know. I mean, why not? I mean, if they got like, you know, Kiss Meets Phantom of the Park. They got like animatronic I versions. Don't, I of, don't want Jeff Hanneman's. I don't want Jeff Hanneman's hologram on stage, man. I'd rather have Gary Holt. I'm fine with Gary Holt. You know, I don't want. I don't want Lemmy's fucking hologram on stage. I don't. I don't need. You know what I'm saying? I just don't. It's not doesn't need to happen that way. I don't need KK Downing's fucking hologram on stage instead of uh, instead of uh, what's his name? Uh, oh damn it! <laughs> the guy oh, would, yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? It's like I don't. It's I'm sorry. That, that's a moment in time, and that moment in time is past. And we need to move forward and not dwell on that shit, you know, and 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 it sucks that you didn't get to see it or it's, you know, I saw I can't count how many times where I wore my motorhead shirt. Man, I wish I would have got to see him before he passed away. It's like, yeah, you know, you wish you would have. And I'm sorry you didn't. But, you know, it's uh, it's your bad, you know, so I don't know. I I can't I can't stand the hologram thing, man. I really can't. I can't wait for Tom Mariah hologram, man. So <laughs> that's I'm different. So there. Now that's different. I'm saying, like, so it? there. It's different if they're if they're actually performing. Like, you well, know, what if he's it? not? What if they just took a recording of it and you know he's sitting at home? <laughs> well, I mean, you, what, how would you know? Okay, you know you'd, have, I mean? you'd have to be able to tell the difference. Okay, and there are certain people that you can tell, deal. You can tell the difference. Tom Mariah. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But it would be his voice. Nobody else has got his voice. We talked about that last week, you know? I know. I know. Same thing with Dio, man. I mean, they, they, that's the whole thing. It's like they, I'd, 
Yeah, I'd rather see a Brian Johnson uh, hologram than Axl Rose. I'll tell you that much. Uh, no, no, no. Yes. No. Yes. No, no. It's I mean, hell, wrong. get Brian Johnson's hologram right next to the uh, the old guy's hologram. You know, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get competing holograms. They could uh, duet. God, and then we get Notorious B.I.G.'s hologram up there, too. We can have well, a little they, bit of Tupac. Already, and, right? I know. Yeah. That's where it started. Was It started with Tupac, right? Tupac at Coachella. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the one that, that kind of got the ball rolling on these things. And then yeah. uh, didn't they do, who else did they do? I, they did somebody well, else I'll too. agree with you. I haven't seen like the Tupac hologram or anything like that, but I'd, I'd always heard that it was pretty amazing. You know, people reacted that it was pretty amazing to see. And of course, you know, we didn't see Tupac's hologram on tour right after that. So apparently it wasn't as amazing as everybody was making it out to be. But I had I didn't bother like, looking at the video or anything. It's really not my thing. But you know, then I look at the hologram thing of of Ronnie James Dio, and yeah, it kind of looked it kind of looked like looking at a VHS tape, you know. But yeah. I mean that, that that I mean Ronnie James Dio was kind of like no no tape. no you're fucking wrong. totally wrong you are t- don't even get me started on that you know your 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 lax opinions of, of Ronnie James Dio need to step aside because you're completely fucking wrong. So I and and there are not many that I will stand up for like that, but Dio is one of those that I will fucking stand up for because Dio was an amazing performer, and and just yeah no so I'd like to see more. That's all I'm saying. I think, uh, I think no rush to judgment. The problem we have here is that you have a band of people that are ready to tour and have been touring in the in the namesake already, so it's already kind of set up to go. So yeah. you know this is going to happen. Unlike the Tupac thing, which seemed to be like a one-off, this is, looks like it's set and ready to go. You know? Did you see like the I, was it was it New England Hardcore Fest or something like that happened this past weekend? Gorilla Biscuits played, and uh, Gorilla Biscuits looked awesome. Uh, that footage was incredible. No, the crowd was going nuts. You know, it was just looked like they were one of the craziest shows in the history of shows, and. You know, those guys are are a little bit older now. They're probably in their mid to late forties, but they, you know, they they were just it was banging. And then you look at like the Dio Disciples guys, and even when they were young, they just kind of stood there. (laughs) So you know, it's sort of like all right, a hologram of Ronnie James Dio makes sense when you got a bunch of old guys who don't really do much. But like, you couldn't do a hologram uh gorilla biscuit show or, or a dillinger you know, or something like that dillinger. Or, yeah exactly you just couldn't do it you know well, but that's that's kind of my point is that that have you seen did you see ronnie james Dio perform like when in 80s 90s ish ever fuck no okay so see <laughs> this is my point is that is that you know you you're not familiar with the performance and and he's not one of those guys that stood in the middle of the thing and sang you know, right, he, which he they gave him a big screen, but his band stood there. And no, I realize that, but but the, what I'm saying is is that that's even that screen is limiting to what that guy did and how he yeah. moved around stage and how he interacted with fans and how he did what he did on stage. That was very limiting compared to what he used to do. And so, what you're saying is Ronnie James Dio's hologram needs a bigger hologram screen that's what you're saying all right i'm saying i'm cool with that i'm saying it's time to retire the ronnie james dio hologram i I think i think we it needs to get cancer and die and uh, i think it it speaks to like to that that call and response and the interaction stuff that you're talking about it's like that electricity that was happening on stage with gorilla biscuits with people jumping all over the place on that stage and just you know it was complete bedlam that 
you're just never going to get that spirit mm-hmm. from a hologram or recording in general. You know, yeah. that's the joy of live music right there. But then again, you know, like you say, never saw Dio live. When I look at footage, to me, it's very theatrical. It's very, you know, it is what it is, but it's not like a like raging New York hardcore show. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's different. But at the same time, though, we're talking about this guy commanded, you know, 50 and 80,000 people in a stadium and was able to and was able to bring it across to shit like that. You know, he, he's amazing in that in that respect. And yeah. And so, you know, I, I miss, I miss, I miss Dio. I, and I don't want a hologram. Fuck your hologram. God damn it. All right. Let's wrap this show up. I'm sad. I want to go listen to more Dio. All right, cool. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to this uh, podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. You can uh, you can find us to search Metal Sucks Podcast. Uh, so hit subscribe, leave us a couple stars, tell us we suck, so we would appreciate that. that. Uh, you can also find us online. I am at Bearded Ape. I'm at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook and Spotify. And at Chuck and Godless on Instagram, as well as ChuckandGodless.com. We'll take you right to our Patreon account. If you would like to go there and support us, we would appreciate your support. Uh, you can become a monthly subscriber and get all kinds of other like extras like right off the bat. As soon as you subscribe, yeah. you can get all kinds of cool stuff. Hey, Chuck, 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 real quick. Yeah. Uh, two things I wanted to mention. One, uh, thank you to H from Acid Rain for uh, hooking me up uh, 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 with uh, the Beyond I was talking about earlier uh, and uh, Talking Bullocks podcast. Everybody go listen to talk- Talking Bullocks. And then um, the second thing I wanted to bring up is 70,000 tons of metal, man. Uh, it goes on sale this week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Seventy thousand tons goes on sale to the public on the sixteenth, I believe. Now you said, who did you say just got announced? Gojira, dude. Oh, yes, Gojira. You can put up with my snoring on this trip just to go see Gojira. Trust me, I, I know. Death Angels back. Uh-huh. Anthrax Testament. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I mean, it's freaking loaded and they this, only announced half the bands. I know, I know. And wow. Yeah, they're not holding back this year. So I mean, if it if it has the tendency that it does, you'll 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 get a few big bands and then it'll be a few smaller bands and then a couple big ones right at the end. But but this yeah. is like the biggest I've seen it in in a long time. Number 7, dude. So yeah, 70,000 tons is going to be good this year. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll buy you some earplugs for Christmas. All right, fine. <laughs> Jeez. I tried my, my earplugs last year, man. It did not work. <laughs> I, I had to go out and find couches out in the in the lobby. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll have to see if uh, I get the, one of those damn sleep apnea masks or something like that. You know, yeah. the, 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 and then it's just like... You hear that all yeah, night, it, you know. We're right next to the sea anyway. <laughs> and, and you're getting rocked back and forth. I, can't, I don't know. I can tell you. going to Haiti. I don't know if you saw that, but it looks yeah. like they got some really cool excursions this year, too. I was like, oh. Yeah. Man. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. So, yeah, on sale to the public on Tuesday. So, if you are a fan of cruising, oh, and a fan of uh, metal, uh, 70,000 tons of metal. It's it really, mm-hmm. we've done how many now in a row? Three three in a row and it is a one of a kind experience you've it, it is like living in an episode of metalocalypse for a few days totally. it is absolutely one of a kind unbelievable and uh you know they, they treat us great there so definitely you know shout out to seventy thousand. but even if they treated us like shit we'd be like please let us come back and <laughs> and we'd still right. be talking about how, how how great it is you exactly, know exactly exactly I mean, so I, you were on my 
deathbed. People will be like, what the hell, you know, would you say are some of the coolest things you're glad you didn't miss? One of them would be Soulfly and the entire freaking cruise ship mm. jumping up and down on the top deck. Or that first year, or that first year he went on the on the smaller ship, man, and watching Carcass on the pool deck, man, in the oh, middle of the Caribbean. Get, it's like, fuck, dude, that's so I awesome. I get chills just thinking of I it, know, you know? I know. Yeah, it's amazing experiences, man. It really, really is. So if you, if you make sure you look it up, 70,000tonsofmetal.com. And uh, you can buy your tickets this week, starting uh, open to the public. So, yeah, I got a feeling this one's going to be a sellout. Was it Origin that did the, uh, pillow, the pillow fight? fight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude. Everybody just... brought their pillows from That's the so freaking cabins and and did a pillow fight while the the band was playing. It was hilarious. Just random stuff, man. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. All right, okay, so let's uh, let's uh, let's be done with this. All right, until uh, next week. I am Chuck. And I'm Godless, and this is another Metal Sucks podcast. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.